Every believer has the capacity to live as Jesus lived. Live victoriously over sin, sickness, death, poverty, and every evil works of the enemy. You can transform not just your own life, but the lives of people around you. The more you expose yourself to the words of God, the more you see it flow through you. In this message, Pastor Philip teaches on how you can respond to God's unconditional love for you. Live your life in the reality of His power and be all His Word says you can be. Amen, 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 amen. Bless the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Today's Easter Sunday. Hallelujah. Today we rejoice and we celebrate the resurrection. Today is the biggest day of, of Christian history. Bigger than Christmas. It's bigger than Good Friday. It's bigger than any other day because it's today that the victory of Christ becomes established over death, over Satan. It was today. Today that, we, that Satan, Satan became homeless. Satan became a vagabond. Satan lost all power that he had. So I want to welcome you to church this morning. It's such a wonderful and awesome privilege to be able to speak to you and get into your houses and talk to you from here this morning. So if you're online, you can say hi so I can say hi back. If you're online, just say good morning, good morning. Please up it's Easter Sunday, guys. So guys, as 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 risen, as as risen, as risen, as risen. Amen. So good morning, guys. It's such a wonderful thing to know that you are online together. Now we started this um, series from Friday, and um, people have been sending me so much questions, more questions that I can answer, um, you know, briefly. But I'm going to try to go through all this together. If you have questions, please feel very free to send in your questions on the comment section. Um, if I don't answer immediately, there will be somebody there to pass across to me so I can answer your questions. Amen. So we started on Friday with the journey to Golgotha. And we described vividly. I tried to lay a foundation on how that Christ appeared from the from Old Testament. And then we see how he went through the pain. He went through... Um, the, the terror and the horror of the death on the cross so that we all can um, come into and enjoy a relationship with the Father. Praise the Lord. Uh, we, we saw that very powerfully. We saw that very strongly uh, on Friday. Very powerfully. So if you are not, if you have not heard the Friday sermon, someone still sent me a message this morning asking for the MP3 if it's possible. So if you have not heard the Friday sermon, please, please um, make, put a comment on that page, on the page, wherever you're watching from, asking for it. And somebody's going to get in touch with you and send you a link where you can get it. On Saturday, which was yesterday, I spoke about comparing the old covenant and the new covenant. And it is very, very phenomenal. I took my time to describe, you know, what was obtainable in the old and what was obtainable in the new. And how that the new covenant is a better covenant than the old covenant. We saw that in scriptures. We saw God teach us. And we saw that God has never changed. That God is no more terrifying or is not a horrible God in the Old Testament. I explained why you have to see that the Jebusites and the Hittites and the Evites and the Islamites and all those guys were killed. Not because he hated them, but because he had to preserve the core. The core from where Jesus was to be born. I took out my time to describe that yesterday and it was very powerful. I have a short skits of that, of that video on my Instagram page and on Facebook too, so you can go back and watch it. 
trust me, it's going to bless you. I believe strongly that the grip and the hold of religion over our hearts can be broken totally. If you don't have a relationship with God, this is the time to build one. This is the time to build one. This is the time to build one. If you have been held down by religion, I mean, somebody sent me a whole chunk of questions yesterday and now I see that people all over the world are being perfected by the burden of religion and people are getting tired again and again and over and over of religion. Listen to me, there is no way you can be tired of relationship with God, you can only be tired of religion. That's why the book of Mark chapter 11 verse 28, Jesus Christ says, Come unto me, all you that labor, the original Greek verses are all you that are burdened by religion. All those that were burdened and belabored by religion are tired and so they come to Jesus. They come to Jesus. Hallelujah. So I want you to, to know today that this is strong. So if you are belabored and burdened with religion, this is the day to jack off your life. This is the day to get something new. Something new. Trust me. You cannot miss it. So on Friday, the sermons are available. Saturday, the sermons are available. Now, beyond Friday and Saturday, last year, I preached a sermon on straight out of hell. Ah, I think that sermon is the most powerful sermon on what God did through Jesus in hell. And how that he broke and broke up the chains and shackles and manacles of Satan in hell. So Satan was defeated in heaven, he was defeated on earth, and he was defeated in hell. He was defeated in hell. So if you if you if you want to ask for any this, I mean for this period that you are staying at home, if there's any message you want to listen to that will further establish your victory over sin, over Satan, this this four sermons will be very important for you. Number one, um, the road, road, the, the journey to God comes on Friday. On Saturday, hold versus the new last in my last year sermon on straight out of hell, and the one I've been preaching this morning. Hallelujah. <laughs> so the, the four sermons are supposed to be a path for you to just consume it over and over. If you are here and then you are you are you are you are you are, you are bordered and belabored, like I said earlier, or burdened by religion, burdened by pain of not knowing God or not having a personal relationship with Him, trust me, this will help you. And it's going to bless you. The Bible says, Book of Psalm, chapter 119, verse 130, Psalm 119, verse 130, it says that the entrance of His word gives light. The entrance of His word gives light. Not the hearing of His word, not the jotting down of His word. It's the entrance of His word, not the staying around the word. It is the entrance of His word that gives light. So I want you to open your heart today. It is light that makes the difference. The Bible says, Isaiah chapter 60. It says, darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness shall cover the people. But upon you shall God arise, and his light and his grace shall be seen upon you. It says, arise and shine, for your light is come. It is light that sets you apart. It is light that distinguishes you. And this light comes by God's word. So if there's any time you need to dig your heart and dip it into God's word, it is now. It is the entrance of his word that gives light. Jesus speaking in the book of John, he says, you shall know the truth, John chapter 8 verse 32. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. What sets us free is our knowledge, our grip, our understanding, our comprehension, our apprehension of the truth. Not even staying around the truth, it's possible to stay around the truth and not be free. Judas was closer to Jesus than Cornelius. Judas was closer to Jesus than Jairus. Judas was closer to Jesus than Nicodemus. Judas was closer to Jesus than all the people who got their healings and got their transformations. Judas was even closer to Jesus than Paul the Apostle, who was not close to Jesus at all. But right there, before Jesus, Satan took him. 
Second two. So staying around the world is not, not enough, but allowing the world to enter into your heart. The entrance of his world gives life. Today we celebrate, like I said earlier, the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus rose from the dead. Hallelujah. Amen. When he died, he died all deaths. When I mean by all death, he died spiritually, he died financially, he died family, he died in every way. He was disconnected absolutely. And when he rose to life, he rose to all life. He experienced all deaths and experienced all life. Hallelujah. And he rose as a man. He rose as a man. Jesus Christ rose bodily. It's not like Hollywood. You know, in Hollywood, you see that person just rise up like this and his dead body is there. And he'll be terrorizing everyone on the streets. But Jesus rose bodily. The tomb is empty. So he did not rise spiritually. Jesus rose up in heaven. He is in heaven with his body. He's not in heaven with his spirit. He's in heaven bodily. Flesh. Hallelujah. So they went to the grave and they didn't find him there. He had gotten up. The Bible says, the angel said, What are you looking for? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Hallelujah. Jesus is alive. He's alive. His flesh and bones. Maybe not blood because he shed it for us. But his flesh and bones. The Bible says, Thomas says, I keep my hands in the hole of his palm until I put my hands there. Jesus says, Look. Yeah. So he rose up with the hole, the scar. He bears, he bears on his body the scars of our redemption. The Bible says, By his stripes, we were healed. Today, the marks of Jesus are right on his body. The scar is there. Thomas says, Until I put my hand in his in his side. So he put his hand in his side. So that, that scar of that javelin, that javelin star, that scar is there. When we get to heaven today, we will find it. It will be beautiful. Because those are the scars that make up our redemption. He rose up as a man. I love to say that, that there is a man among the Trinity. There is a man among the Trinity. A man, a human being. He's our tribesman. He's <laughs> our, our, our person. So you have God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Ghost. But Jesus is man, is man, as in 100% man, 100%. But when you get to heaven today, only Jesus can be touched. He is full-blown, born-again man. He's the first born again. Because he went to hell and came back from hell. And he's born again. Born again from the dead. So when you call you born, it's not like you died. It's a spiritual experience. You are dead in Christ and you rose back through him and in him. Hallelujah. So I want to lay hold on all these truths and let it enter into your heart. You are not the way you were. You are not under Satan. You have you are victory over death. So today we'll be looking through um, what is in need for me. When he paid the price, what are the things that are supposed to be my benefits? The psalmist says, he says, bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless his holy name. Let not your heart forget his benefits. You don't want to forget his benefits. Like I said yesterday, if you buy a device, you buy a phone, it's possible to underuse your phone. It's possible not to use your phone to the extent to which you can you are supposed to be able to use it because you don't know. So your phone can do this, your phone can do that. First time when I bought my Samsung phone, you know, I was I was using one day in the house, I was just and I just saw a sign on the screen. And like a like a screen, like a screen sign, and I and I and I and I pressed it. And when I pressed it, what was on my phone went straight to my TV and started showing. I didn't believe it. Now I bought that phone for months, I never knew that that thing was there. It was a mistake. Now some of you will stumble on the truth by mistake. But some of you must grasp it. You must grasp the truth by acknowledging it. So today I want you to make up your mind that you're not just you just guys not going to die on your life of vain. 
they are going to enjoy every single benefit of it. They are not going to first Corinthians chapter 15. I want to show you a scripture. First Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15. You have to make up your mind that you are going to enjoy every benefit of his death. You are going to lay claim on all that he died for. Everything that he died for. And nothing is going to pass you back. First Corinthians chapter 15. Are you there? Now look at verse 19. First Corinthians chapter 15 verse 19. What does it say? If in this life only we have hope in Christ. The Bible says if in this life only we have hope in Christ. Yes. We are of all men most miserable. Now, the Bible says, if it's only in this life that we have hope in Christ, we have all men most miserable. Now, when you hear the scripture, what comes to your mind most of the time is uh, resurrection. That there's, there's hope for us in heaven. Is that what it means? But, <laughs> what I look at when I look at the scripture that there's hope for me in this life. Because that was what Paul said. He said, if it's only in this life that we hope, have hope in Christ, that means, ah, wait, there's hope for us in this life. So it's not just all about heaven. And everybody says so much in a rush to go to heaven. The Bible says when I, um, the course, people quote scriptures, he said, he, said, he said, put your money, sow your seeds in heaven where moth teach. I'm reading other scriptures. Where robbers cannot touch it. And somebody quickly put it there. And you can only have access to it when you die. That part is not in the scripture. Now, my money is in my bank. I use... Um, I used, I used a bank in Nigeria and I don't have to get to where the bank is to have access to my money. I don't have to. Now, if I bank with God, I don't have to get to heaven to have access to my money. I can treat with my money right here. So Paul says, if it's in this life alone that we have hope, that means we have hope in Christ in this life. Now, when I was talking yesterday about wheels, I didn't remember to mention this. I just it just crossed my mind this morning. I didn't remember to mention that a will is a document. Now the person that writes the will has to die, like I said yesterday, for the will to have effect. But the beneficiary of the will does not need to die. If my father wills to me a whole estate, for instance, he has to die for the will to take effect. I don't have to die. So whoever said to us that we have to die first to enjoy the will of God for our life has misled us. That's religion. Paul says if it's in this life alone that we have hope, we have all men. Most miserable. So what's the first benefit of all that Christ went through? What's the first benefit? Please take out your notepads. I'm going to do this as correctly as I can one by one so we don't miss out on anything. What's the first benefit of my, of my inheritance in Christ? What's the first benefit of my partnership, of my entering or knowing Christ, what's the first benefit of all the price that he paid? What is in it for me as a believer? Number one is the privilege of sonship. The privilege of sonship. As I'm teaching this morning, I'll try to juxtapose with what's happening in the Old Testament. There is nobody in the Old Testament that enjoys sonship with Christ or with God. The privilege of such John chapter 1 verse 12 quickly. John chapter 1 verse 12 quickly. The privilege of such. John chapter 1 verse 12. But as many as received him. As many as received him. To them gave him power. To them he gave power. To become the sons of God. Now the Bible says as many as received him. To them he gave power. To become. The word to become. Shows, shows that you were not before. 
you became the son of God. He says it, it takes power to become. In the book of John chapter 1 and Romans chapter 1 verse 4, the Bible says Jesus Christ was, was declared to be the son of God with power. It takes power to become the son of God. But what do I need to have that power? The Bible says as many as received it. So this is a non-exclusive privilege. For as many, as many that receives him, first of all, we become sons of God. We become sons of God. We become sons of God. Sons of God to the degree to which Jesus was a son of God. Now, religion may set it right and say, Ah! Prove it. How dare you say that? In the book of John chapter 17, Jesus Christ was praying to the Father. He says, let them know that you have loved them as much as you have loved me. So what that means is that God does not love Jesus the more. This has to get into your heart. God does not love Jesus more than he loves you. The moment you receive Jesus, you enter into sonship. I am as much a son of God as Jesus is. Ah, yes, I'm as much a son of God as Jesus is. And I'm going to show you scriptures. You know that's what I do. I don't just teach off my head. I show you scriptures. And you cannot have an opinion against the Bible. If the Bible says it, so is it, even if you feel differently. If you feel different, like for instance, I said something says, for anyone that abandons this, abandons that, will in this life have it. You cannot remove that part. No matter how hungry you are with this life, some of you, all, all you are always saying is, oh, you are going to quickly leave this heart and go to heaven. Heaven is my home. Jesus did not die so that you can quickly go to heaven. If not, the day you receive Jesus is the day that you raptured. If that's all that it is, there's a reason why he kept you there. Why are you so much in a hurry to go there? There's a work for you there. So when I see Christians who abandon the privileges, abandon the benefits, abandon all that they can enjoy right here and focus and say, no, it's not true. It's not true. That's the lie of Satan to keep you in bondage. There's something for you here. So it says, men that received him to them, to them, he gave power to become the sons of God. And when you are a son, you have an inheritance. You have an inheritance. Now we go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. I said to you that you are as much as a son as Jesus. Colossians chapter 1. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to Jesus. Colossians chapter 1. The Bible says verse 15. Let's start from verse 14. Let's start from verse 13. <laughs> the Bible says he has delivered us from the power of darkness. And conveyed us into the kingdom of his son, his, his dear son. King Jesus is his dear son. New King Jesus is the son of his law. Colossians chapter 1 verse 1 says, In whom we have redemption. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Verse 15. He is the image. Verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God. Now look at this. I know you read this all the time, but you missed it. What is an image? What does what does Terry say the images? Visible, to be molded. Image, as it do not do not make any graven image. So Jesus, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Image can be seen. So Jesus is the visible version 
of the invisible world. Does that make sense? I said to you yesterday in the book chapter 1 that he is the exact representation of God. Is the exact characteristic, exact expression of God's nature. The Bible says here that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now, if you go to the Bible, says, for by him in all things were created, that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. Verse 14, verse, verse 17. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Verse 18. He is the head of the body. That's the church. Who is the beginning? The firstborn from the dead. Now I mentioned that earlier. That Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. He's the firstborn again person. The firstborn from the dead. Now if the Bible calls him the firstborn. And when he was born. He was the only begotten son. So Jesus was born as the only begotten son. But rose from the dead as the firstborn. This is powerful. What it means is that he was born alone as the only son God had. But when he came out of the grave, the Bible says he brought many sons into glory. He became the firstborn. He became the firstborn. And there would not have been any need for saying firsts if there was not a second. If there was not a third. Maybe a thousand like I used to say or a billion. And I used to say heavily, I say I don't know where my number is. But my number is in there somewhere. Maybe my number is one billion son. I don't know. But the good thing about this is that even though, <laughs> even though his bondment is different, our sonment is the same, equal. I have two daughters. Two of them are my daughters. I have a firstborn daughter and a secondborn daughter. The beautiful thing about it is that the firstborn is no more daughtered or more daughterly or more adulterment or adulterness. It's not stronger. They are equal and the same. Even though they came, even though the first one came first, the second one came second, the third one passed, came third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, ten. No matter the number, they are equal. The DNA is the same. Can I tell you this morning that your DNA with Jesus is the same? You are an equal son with him. Equal son with him. I know religion will not agree with you. Something within you is fighting that no, no, this is pride. No, this is arrogance. You must not accept what this man is saying. You are an inferior person. No. The Bible says that he is the firstborn and he is the first from the dead. Making whatever number you are equal with him. Equal with him. Jesus said it. Okay, let me shock you. Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11. Hallelujah to Jesus. Now, I would like to have maybe like four translations of the scripture. If I have NLT, or I have, um, if you have um, Amplified Bible, you can please have us post it on that, on the, on the comment section. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11. You know, we read a lot of Hebrews yesterday. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11. Who has NLT? NLT. What does it say? So now Jesus and the one he makes holy mm -hmm. have the same father. Now, I want you, I want you to 
whatever cloak of religion that you have, please just take it aside a bit and let's look at the Bible together. I want Amplified. Has anybody given us Amplified? I want, if you have Amplified, would you please post on the comment section? It says both Jesus and me. Yes. And so the ones. Jesus and the ones he makes holy. Jesus and the ones he makes holy. That's us. Jesus and us. Yes. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. Now, the Bible says Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. Now, the father of Jesus is not a greater father. And since he's not ashamed. Now, you are. You may be ashamed of yourself. You may be ashamed of the life that you have lived. You may be ashamed of the person that you have become. You may be ashamed of your, your life. But the Bible says Jesus is not ashamed of you. He's not ashamed when he looks at you. You may look at yourself and see filth. Look at yourself and see death. You may look at yourself and see something that you should be ashamed about or ashamed of. But Jesus looks at you and sees his kid brother. He looks at you and sees his sister. The Bible says, for both he and he that he sets free or he makes holy have the same father. Who has another translation? Is that NLT read? Yes. Does, has anybody given us amplified? Nobody has given us amplified. If you have amplified, we can put on the page. What for both he who is sanctified, That's amplified. making men holy, yes. and those who is sanctified all have one father. Both he and everyone is sanctified all have one, one father, yes? For this reason, for this reason, he is not ashamed to call them brethren. For this reason, he is not ashamed. Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers. Jesus is not ashamed at all. You may look at yourself, like I said earlier, and see death, and see sin, and see shadow, and see pain, and see horror. But when Jesus looks at you, he sees his brother. He sees his brother. He is not ashamed of you. So every grip and cloak of religion, I break it over your heart in the name of Jesus. You must walk in the reality of your sonship. He made you a son. When he died on that cross, he wasn't dying for himself. When he died, he was already a son of God. The Bible says God gave his only because son. He was already a son. He already had a global, he already had a glory with God. The Bible says he laid aside his glory. Figures chapter 2. He, he, he laid aside his person, he laid aside his divinity. He laid aside his power. He did all that so that you can become a son of God. It's painful that after doing all this, people that he pays so much price for would choose death over destiny. He paid that price for you that you would become a son. Today you will say to yourself, I am loved of God. I'm a son of God. I'm a son of God as much as Jesus is a son of God. Hallelujah. I'm a son of God. I'm a son of God. Hallelujah. I'm a son. 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 I'm a son of God. I'm born of God. I'm born of God. His seed lives in me. His light lives in me. I have the power of God in me. I'm a child of God. It must become real to you. When you go to your bed to sleep, it must be real to you that you are a son. A daughter, you have a father, the same father that Jesus has. The Bible calls it the same, either he sanctifies and is sanctified as the same father. Romans chapter 8, people. Romans chapter 8. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 8. It's good we do this this morning. Romans chapter 8. Look at what the Bible says. Romans chapter 8, from verse 14. Let's take verse 14. Uh, yeah, for as many that are led as the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. 
Verse 15 says, For you did not. Now, please, I want to look at this closely. It says, You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again. What's the point of again? One more time. So, you cannot use again if there was not the previous one. You cannot use again when it's the first one. When I say you are born again, it means you've been born before. You cannot be born again without being born at all. So when it says you have not received the spirit of bondage again, what it means is that you received the spirit of bondage before. Now, I'm still comparing the old covenant and the new covenant. The old covenant was the spirit of bondage. It caused the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, have my father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. The Spirit Himself bears witness. The Spirit of God, if you look at that first spirit, is written in capital letter. It says the Spirit, the first spirit in chapter 16, if you look at it in your Bible, it's written in capital letter. The first spirit, it's talking about the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Spirit bears witness with our spirit. Now, the second spirit is written in small letter that we are the children of God. Verse 17, and if we are children, this is where I'm going now. And a lot of you, religion may shoot out again, but I need to know that this is the word of God. I don't, I don't, I know we have a lot of background doctrinal issues, background teachings that are absolutely contrary to God's word. But today, the light of God will shine in our hearts. The Bible says, if you are children, then we are joint heirs. If you are children, then you are heirs of God. You see, um, heirs means that you are entitled to an inheritance because you are children. Now, in the book of Hebrews chapter 1, the Bible says God has made Christ the heirs of all things. Heirs of all things. In this verse, Romans chapter 8, it says we are heirs of God and then we are joint heirs with Christ. Now, my knowledge of law will come to play again. There's nothing between co-heir and joint heir. There's nothing between co-ownership and joint ownership. Let me explain to you. If I'm a co-ownership with you on something, maybe a piece of land, and let's say the land is 100 feet by 100 feet, and we are co-owners. The difference between co-ownership and joint ownership here is that that 100 by 100 feet that we are co-owners to, we can divide it into two, and I can sell my own 100 by 50 feet while you retain your own. That's co-ownership. What joint ownership means is that we own it together. The hundred by hundred, it is indivisible, inseparable. I, if I want to cut hundred by fifty, in that hundred by fifty, my own is there. You cannot sell it. And I say that we are joint owners of this table. We cannot divide this table and sell it. It doesn't make sense anymore. What it means is that everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to you. Every single thing that Jesus owns. Now, I, I know, I know that right now your heart may be saying, ah, but Philippa, we have to be careful. Don't let's offend God. I know. I felt like that for the first time. But trust me, I found out that healing belongs to me. Health belongs to me. Life belongs to me. Wealth belongs to me. Everything that Jesus is heir to. Now, you are not the one that claimed it. It was Jesus that gave it to you. You are not the one. When he spoke to many in Joshua, he spoke to many. He says, go and tell my brothers that I go to my God and your God. You see, that's different. He says, my father and your father. It was Jesus that said, you are now his brother. It, it was not you that laid claim on something that was not yours. It was God that says, you are now his son. And until you receive that which is made available. 
you will not be able to enjoy it. So the fourth principle of sonship, when you know that you are a son, you walk different. You think differently. I know that I'm not just a son. I have a father. And my father is the ruler of all here. The psalmist says, I walk in the valley of the shadow of death. I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Why? Thou art with me. My God is the biggest thing in this valley. It's bigger than William It's bigger than uh, what that thing again that is scared of COVID-19. <laughs> it's bigger than COVID-19. It's bigger. So if I walk to the valley, I agree that it's a valley. I agree that it's dark. I agree that it's shadow of death in it. But I agree also that God is with me and my God is the biggest thing right here in this valley. The Bible calls him the God of the mountain and the God of the valley. The God of the light and the God of the dark. Yeah. Find out that you are co-heir, joint heirs with Christ. Friends, I want, to admit, I want to admonish you this morning to rise up to what God has called you to. Stop, 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 stop loitering down like Lazarus. Stop doing that. Rise, Zion, arise, shake off your dust, break off the chains from off thy neck, walk in the reality of your royalty. You are son of God. You are a 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 child of God. And you are a child of God as much as Jesus is a child of God. Number two is the privilege of access. With sonship comes access. The privilege of access. The privilege of access. With sonship comes access. With sonship comes access. Access. Matthew 27, verse 51, quickly. With sonship comes access. You have equal, unrestrained, unrestricted, and irregulated access. Let me say that again. Equal, unrestrained, unrestricted, and irregulated access. You have access to God that is unrestrained. You have access to God. When Jesus Christ died, Matthew 27, that's what I read in Matthew 27, verse 51. When he died, verse 50 says, And Jesus cried with a loud voice and yielded up the Spirit. Verse 51. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn into two from top to bottom. And the earth quaked and the rocks were split. So in the temple, in the old temple of Solomon, there used to be a veil that would cover the most holy place from the holy place. That's where the tabernacle is. That is where the Ark of Covenant is. So, usually, it's people, a, a, a high priest, the high priest usually will go into that place once a year. There's only access once a year. It's a very, very dangerous and risky adventure. Because if he if gets there and he messes up, he can be struck down. So, nobody goes beyond it. Nobody even goes beyond that veil. The Ark of Covenant, the power of God, the glory and the presence of God is behind that veil. But when Jesus died, that veil was torn into two. The Bible says from the top was Bible was detailed that it was torn from the top. What it meant is that an angel took that thing and ripped it into two from top. You know, if you talk from bottom, you can say maybe somebody when they are used to to cut it. <laughs> but that thing is about is about 20 to 30 feet tall. And they didn't mention that people were there with ladder. An angel took it from the top, ripped it for the first time. The glory of God can fill the earth. God is now ready to relate with his children. No more hiding. It gives us equal. What I mean equal is that we have equal access. Pastor Adebo doesn't have more access than you do. Pastor Chris Akleba doesn't have more access than you do. Pastor um, 
Kumi doesn't have more access than you do. Um, Ken Hagen, Brock Copeland, all the great men that's gone ahead of us. Nobody, no matter how mightily used of God that they are or they are being used, no, nobody is as more access to God than you. Right in the corner of your room, he will hear you when you speak. Just as much as he will hear anyone. Unrestrained, unrestricted. Restrained means that you can come in at any time. In the day, there's no time. There's no time. You can say it's only three o'clock, or it's only twelve, or it's only one. Nobody comes in at two. No, you can come in at any time. Unrestrained access. John, Ephesians chapter two, quickly. Ephesians two, verse eleven to nineteen. Bible says we have access. Ephesians chapter three, verse twelve. Bible says we have boldness. Ephesians three, verse twelve. It says we now have boldness, boldness. Boldness and access. Ephesians 3.12. Some read that from Ephesians 3.12. We have boldness. Yeah? In we have boldness and access. In whom we have boldness and access. With confidence by faith, by the faith of him. Yes. We have boldness, we have access, we have confidence in Christ. We have boldness, we have access, we have confidence. So there's a difference between boldness and access. So you can have access and not be bold. A lot of people have access and they are not bold with the access. This is very key. Boldness is important. If you have access and you are not bold, you will not enjoy your access. So you must have boldness and you must have access. Now, number three, you have access now, under the same topic, you have access to revelation. You have access to revelation. Please follow me closely this morning. You have access to revelation. In the book of John chapter 15, verse 15, quickly. You have to help me. John 15, verse 15. Matthew 13, verse 11. John 15, verse 15. Matthew 13, verse 11. Henceforth I call you no servant. Jesus was speaking, says, Henceforth I call you no father. No more servants, yes. For the servant knoweth not. For the servant does not know what his Lord doeth. What his Lord is doing. But I have called you friends. But I've called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my father. Everything I've heard of my father. I've made no words. Now if you look at that scripture, Jesus Christ says, Everything I've heard of my father. What's the meaning of everything? All. Oh. Jesus says, everything I've heard of my father. Who has under salvation for Saint Brad? Yes, I no longer call you servant. I no longer call you servant. Because the master doesn't confide in his servant. The Bible says that the master, now you see that word that new living uses is very powerful. It's very powerful. It says the master does not confide. So God looks at you and he looks at the confidence. Now there's a difference between instruction and putting confidence in someone. God speaks to the angels, but he doesn't confide in them. He instructs them. He commands them. He doesn't discuss with them. But the Bible says that Jesus says he has found in us a confidence. That's why God can share with you what he wants to do. He can say, daughter, son, I want to do so, 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 and he will let you in on it. So much give me a message translation. You have a message on internet. Matthew 13. John 15, 15. Then Matthew 13, 11. Let's, let's see what message says. Message says um, 15. You may join it together. You may join it together. So take it like that. You didn't choose me, remember? Yes. I chose you. Yeah. And put you in the world. Yeah. No, I think that was 16. You are my friends. Yes. When you do the things I command you. Yes. I'm no longer calling you servants because yes. servants don't understand what their master is thinking and planning. Now the Bible says that servants don't understand what their master is thinking and planning. So I like this too. He says that it's possible for you to understand what God is thinking. 
you need to understand God's thoughts. Now, you have access to revelation. Let me tell you how this happens. In the book of, in the book of Genesis chapter 3, when God created Genesis chapter 2, when he created Eve, now, Adam was walking in at a level of a superman. God put him to sleep and God took a bone out of his bone, out of his rib, and made a woman. And Adam woke up and says, this is the bone of my bone. Now, it's not like Eve came and they, they are born on the on a neck. Or they wrote Adam boom, Adam boom, Adam boom. Like that's your Balenciaga. Balenciaga, Balenciaga. <laughs> so there was nothing on Eve that looked like bone. But even though Adam was asleep, he woke up and he knew what God had done. How did he know what God had done? The moment he saw God and like an Eve coming, he already knew what God had done. It showed that there was nothing hidden between God and Adam. That's exactly what Jesus came to restore. That depth of relationship. That depth of understanding. Look up, I said, I said, I will guide you with my eye. You know when God guides you with his eye? If you are from Africa and you have African parents, they can guide you with their eye. When your mother looks at you like this, she doesn't have to say anything. You understand vividly what she's saying. That shows a level of connection. So when God says, you understand my thoughts, that means he has never spoken anything. You understand it? You understand my plans? Continue. Yeah, yeah. Servants, because servants don't understand what their master is thinking and planning. Yes. No, I've named you friends. I've named you friends. Because I've let you in on everything I've heard from my father. Now, he says, that's the word I was actually looking for. That's the message for me. He says, I've let you in on all that I have heard of my father. So Jesus says, there's nothing that I have heard from my father that I've not told you. Now, if you think that God is so complicated, God cannot be understood, God cannot be fatal, God can never be understood. But Jesus says, look, everything that I know of God, I've told you. That means there's nothing between God and Jesus that you cannot be openly privy to. I hope and I pray that today you understand the depth of this. That there's nothing that is going on in heaven that you cannot, be, that you cannot understand. The Bible says that if you look at first chapter first 2, he was talking about the highest I have not seen, yes, I have not heard, then I said that in the hands of men, but he says, but the only thing that's living is not to us. We are not those ones. You know, your wife used to say, Shubon. That's my Shubon. My Shubon. Shubon come That my Shubon is that I'm separate from the world. What is dark to the world is light to me. What the world doesn't understand is light to me. And that's why this Bible describes everything in total, including what the world is going through today. That's why we are not shocked. We may be surprised that it came this heavy, but we are not shocked that because we know it was going to come. Hallelujah. We know. We know it was going to come. We know it was going to come. You have, you have access to light. You have access to revelation. You have access to know God. God does not hide himself from you anymore. He doesn't hide himself from you at all. He's open. When it comes to meet Adam in Eden, he walks. Bible says they will hear his feet as he's walking. So God will leave heaven. Do you know there are more angels in heaven if they are singing and singing billions and billions and billions of angels that God will leave everyone and come to fellowship with Adam. And then they will go up and they wouldn't be able to wait to say, Let's, I can't wait to get to see Adam again. And it is wondering, what is man? Because they don't understand. They look at this one and kick him out. <laughs> but they don't understand how God will take so much detail and interest. And that's why if you have a child, they will give back to a baby. 
everything in your life is about that people that are told that are walking 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 carrying the this is but we are more responsible <laughs> say, but it's my baby <laughs> say all the baby does just to eat eat cry cry poo, 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 every day he said but it's my baby you know in those days when my daughter would poo even though he is, is a, is a, he looks nauseating, but he, does, he doesn't look as nauseating as himself. I just poo say, look, this is a baby. And it's the baby. It's the baby. He must take care of this baby. That's exactly how you are before God. He doesn't hide from you. Access. He gives you access. He gives you access to you. He reveals himself to you. He doesn't reveal himself to the angels. The Bible says that we know him by revelation. They know him by observation. Number four. Number four. Victory over sin, and I'm going to be very detailed with this. Victory over sin, please write this down. Victory over sin, over fear, over guilt, over death. Victory over sin, victory over fear, victory over death and sickness. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 4. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 4. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. I beg your pardon. Hebrews 2 verse 14 For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood Yes He also himself likewise took part of the same My Bible says you guys became flesh and blood, yes That through death he might, he might destroy him that had the power of death Yes That is the devil Jesus through death Destroyed him that had the power of death The Bible calls him the devil Now he has destroyed him that had the power of death. He destroyed him that had the power of death. By rising up from the grave, rising up from the dead, Jesus through death. You know, as the Bible says, it became sin. That we through that may become the rising of God in Christ. So God, Jesus Christ through sin, destroyed sin. Now the Bible says, he through death, destroyed him who had the power of death. Continue on. And delivered them. He delivered them. Who through fear of death. Who through fear. Now you see, people who through fear of what? Of what? Death. Of death. Continue, man. Where all their lifetime subject to bondage. Now the Bible says people are all their lifetime subject to bondage. Bondage because of the fear of death. Now, fear of death is one thing, fear of failure is another thing, fear of being laughed at, of being mocked, fear of embarrassment, all kinds of fear. But people are in bondage because of fear. Now, if you look at Romans chapter 15, that we Romans chapter 8, that we read earlier. You see, I'm going to speak the spirit of bondage again to what? Again to fear. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. So, you see that fear is bondage. And Jesus here, Jesus, the Bible says that he destroyed him with the power of death. Death is swallowed up in victory. First Corinthians chapter 15 says that. He said, We are swallowed up death. Let's go there. Put your fingers in Rome and Hebrews chapter 2. We're coming back there. Put your fingers in Hebrews chapter 2. Then go to go to Hebrews chapter. Go to 1 Corinthians, Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Put your fingers in Hebrews chapter 2. We're coming back there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 54. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 54. What does it say? So when this corruptible. Yes. Now, Shall have put on incorruption. Yes. And this mortal shall yes. have put on immortality. Yes. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written. Yes. Death is swallowed up. Death is swallowed up in victory. Yes. Continue. Oh, death, 
where is thy sting? So he begins to he begins to speak to death. Say, oh death, where's your sting? Yes. Oh grave. Oh grave. Where's thy victory? Where's thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. Now I said to you yesterday about comparing law and grace, the old covenant, and the Bible says the strength of sin. So law strengthens sin. The Bible says the strength of sin is the law. Continue, man. But thanks to, but thanks be to God. Thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah! It gives us victory. It gives us victory over death. We have victory over death. We have victory. Death is swallowed up in victory. Hallelujah! So we are not afraid of death because of Jesus. When He rose from the grave, I've done all the dying I will ever die. I finished my dying. The Bible says, For ye are dead, Christian that is, and your life is hid with Christ in God. I'm dead, and my life is hid in Christ because I'm crucified with Christ. I've done all the dying I will ever die in Christ. So when you get off this body, you come into more life. This is the dimension of life. The moment you get out of Jesus, this is your body, and you are called on to glory. You are called into a bigger dimension of light. That's why you must stop mourning. I said this morning, you must stop mourning your. Your folks, your sick folks, or people that you love that are going to glory, they are more alive than you. Trust me, they have no pain. I was teaching in the law school some about two years ago. There's a lady who was in that meeting who had abandoned Jesus, who had backslidden, and backslidden from Christ because her elder brother, who they prayed so much for that wouldn't die, she died. He died. So all of them turned their back, both the father, the mother, the family, everybody turned their back and stopped going to church. So our friend, I think it was Tammy T, insisted that she came to that meeting that morning. She didn't want to come, but they forced her and forced her and forced her and forced her and then she came. She said, okay, I'll just sit in the back, please. So she sat at the back. Incidentally, somebody had died on that campus that same week. So when I came, everywhere was moody and people were down and, you know, and were feeling so bad. So I knew how to address that issue. Now, I did not know that there was someone in that congregation who had also lost someone and was just coming to church reluctantly because somebody forced her because they had turned their back on Christ. But now somebody else had died, and I'm going to use this death now to explain what happens when a believer gives it dies or goes over with them. And I explained it. I told them that when a person dies and goes to Jesus, oh, there is no more concern, there's no more pain. Suddenly they find out that they're feeling better, there is nothing. Christ, this enough says to die is gain. That was what Paul said. Because it's to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. By the time I was done explaining what happens, everywhere was beaming with smiles. Everybody was pitying that fellow. And Pat said, hey, yeah, hey, yeah. Suddenly they are laughing and say, wow, wow, wow. He's been and he's gone to the Lord. And right there, that lady started to cry. She cried and cried and returned back to Jesus. See, my brother is with Jesus. My brother is not dead. My brother is with Jesus. And she went back home to their house in Akure and preached this same gospel to her mother, to her father, to her cousins, and got everybody back to church. Hallelujah! Who would have known that somebody else's death is the result or will trigger life in another family? There's no death in Christ. When he rose from the dead grave, he broke the chain and the shackles of grave. Hebrews chapter 2. Let's go back there. Let's start from verse 9. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. 
Hallelujah. But we see Jesus. But we see Jesus. Who was made a little lower than the angels. Who was made a little lower than the angels. For the suffering of death. Now, he was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. Yes, ma'am. Crowned with glory and honor. glory and honor. That he, by the grace of God, yes. should taste death for every man. The Bible says you guys taste death for every man. He tastes death. That means you will no longer taste death. Amen. You can't taste death. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody has tasted death for you. So when you go from this body, you go home to be with the Lord. You go home. You must take grip of this acknowledged truth. It's so real to you that the next time you remember or the memory of that your loved one comes to your mind, you smile. You don't cry. Because you know that they are with Jesus. Jesus is our hope. The Bible says that if, in this, if, it, if it's only in this life that we have hope, they were born men miserable. But by rising from the dead, he showed us that we're going to rise with him. We're going to rise up with him. When we live here, we're not going to die and suffer and be in pain in hell with Satan. We're going to go up to him. And we're going to enjoy our days before him. Bible says, are pleasures forevermore. Joy in God's presence. We have victory over death. You have victory over death. I want to come against every power of grief. If you are watching me this morning and you are being grieved. In your heart you think you've lost a loved one, lost a friend, lost a husband, lost a wife, lost a son, lost a daughter. I pray for you today that the grip of grief is broken over your heart in the name of Jesus. Your loved one is with Jesus. Your loved one is with Jesus. Your mother is with Jesus. Oh, someone says, brother, I lost my brother. I say, is he saved? He said, yes. I said, trust, you didn't lost him. He's just transported to Christ. He's watching you from heaven. He's seeing you right now. Oh, and he's cheering you up. Come on, boy. Run the race of faith. Don't get tired. But I said, well, we, have, we, have, we, have, we, have, we have a cloud of witnesses. Kenneth Hagin is there. Oh, Raynard Bunky went there some few months ago. The day I had that bro, Raynard Bunky was there, I envied him. I don't know if it's possible for a living to envy the dead. I envied him. I know what we have. I know that there will be, there will be chariots waiting for you. And there will be a cloud of glory of angels waiting to welcome that man. Having won 75 million souls to Christ in the lifetime. Jesus! All of heaven will be attention for this great man. I envy him. I wish it were me. <laughs> I wish it were me. I know that he's going to heaven. The next time you remember that your that your that your that your loved one who's gone on to glory, your heart will be with smile. They are not suffering, they are not in pain, they are not groaning, they are right there before God. Enjoy. The last one, authority over Satan. Authority over Satan. I'm gonna speak this, I'm gonna to touch a bit on our prayer lives as, as a New Testament believer. Now, if there's anything that the old testament believers do not have, they didn't have authority over Satan. They didn't have access to God like we have it right now. And so if you go to the Old Testament and pray the prayer of the Old Testament, you'll be praying the prayer of someone who has no access. And I don't know why people like to quickly go to the Old Testament to look for prayers. <laughs> I don't know about that. There are a lot of prayers in the New Testament. But you'll be shocked that all the prayers in the New Testament was more about God open our eyes that we may see what you've done already. That's all the prayer that Paul prays in the book of Colossians, prayer in the book of Ephesians. The prayers are more about you coming to cognizance. You come to the acknowledgement of what's already done and perfected on your behalf. That's the crux of the prayer. But people don't like those prayers. 
they like to go and say, Oh, land, oh, land, hear the voice of the Lord. You got this sun, put on your head. Oh, you, you know, because, because we, we, we don't know what is done for us. We like it. Job didn't have access. Job didn't have authority over Satan. That's why Satan could come to his house and scatter it. You're not like Job. Your name is not Job. Jesus gave you authority over Satan. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20. To Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. We won't be able to read it because of our time. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20, down to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. In that scripture, it says, You are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, far above powers, far above principalities, far. Far. That's where you're seated. Far above Satan and his forces. Satan and all his cohorts have no power over you. In Matthew 28, there's all power in heaven and on earth is given to you. You have the power of God. Satan has no dominion over you. Romans chapter 6, he said, For sin shall have no more dominion over you. Satan has no more dominion over you. Ephesians 4, verse 27. Ephesians 4, 27. He said, give no place. Give no room to Satan. He says, resist him steadfastly. Resist and he will flee. I can shout this from the rooftops. You are not Daniel. I know people want to pray. And when they want to pray, they will start praying and praying and praying and praying. And they will first bombard the gates of heaven. Say, we are going to bombard. Say, who shot you outside? How did you come out? We are inside. We don't need to bombard the gates of heaven. We are right there, seated in Christ Jesus, beside God. That's where I am. How do I have to bombard the gates of heaven? I did not come out. Stay at home. Stay at home. Too, what are about? <laughs> stay there. That's where you're seated. Don't come out. Daniel, the Bible says that his prayers were held back by the Prince of Persia. And so Angel Gabriel, who was bringing the prayers, was withstood. And then Angel Michael had to come and say, I know that's why we like to mention names of Angel Michael, Angel Michael, Angel Yure, you know, because we think that in them is our salvation. But Daniel was not seated in Christ Jesus, in heavenly places. You are seated there. Some people say, no, 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 you have to first bombard the heavenlies. You have to break all the barriers in the, in the third heavens and the second heavens, so that your prayers can find expression and can reach to God. I said, listen, friends. My prayers don't even have to go above my nose because I sit right there in Christ Jesus. He has the very thoughts of my heart. He stays in my heart. Bible calls him, he calls me his temple. So if I bow my head and say, Father, right, he's right here. You have authority over Satan. So there are people all over scriptures, Old Testament. Moses was embarrassed, even at death. Satan was dragging his dead body. <laughs> <laughs> Job bombarded with satanic spirits, all kinds of destruction by his family. Daniel, as revealing as his visions could be, his prayers were held back, embarrassed. You see, great people embarrassed, buffeted by Satan all throughout the Old Testament. That was his that was his area. That was that was his, 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 his era. When Jesus came, he yacked off the keys of death and hell from him. That guy has nothing. Absolutely nothing. Satan is powerless. Has no power. If you can't tell him, tell him I say that. Satan has no power over your body. He has no power to inflict you with sickness. He has no power over your children. He has no power over your husband. He has no power over your wife.
wife. He has no power over your pregnancy. Of the pregnancy. He has no power. He has no power. Jesus took all the power from Satan when he died on the cross and went down to the grave. You prisoners those that were prison in hell and he yanked all the power from him. You are free then. You have to understand. That was why he went to the cross. He took that power from him and gave it to you. Your power. I have friends who are against this who are always talking about it. I don't care what the Bible says. What the Bible says. I have casted out demons through phones. I've done things, prayed for sick people. And I've seen Satan flee at the sound of my voice. Why? He died on the cross for me. And he sat me down beside God in heavenly places. That's where you're seated. You have the power of God. When he died, all the old saints, old, old, old saints, you could believe it. As powerful as Elijah was, Jezebel, one queen, Jezebel, created him around with his tail in between his, his legs like a dog. I started shouting about, kill me, kill me, kill me, kill me. One Jezebel. We will rubbish a million Jezebels today. That's right. Because of what Christ did. Rubbish. Nobody could take his life from me. The Bible says, I laid down my life. They couldn't kill Jesus. See, I laid down my life. And I can take him back again. Friends, you must walk in the reality of this. There's no power. There's no dominion. Bible says, he has it all. All powers, all names, all principalities, everything is sealed above, far above, far above, my water, far above, really, really far above, your village people, it's still far above, all those things you scared of, it's still far, 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 that's where you're seated with him, right there, far above all demonic powers, don't be scared, don't walk in fear, you are a son, but you have the spirit of such about adoption, again, not again to fear, not again to fear, but walk in authority. It will be an abuse on all the pain that you guys went through if you live below the standard and below the potential of his death. It will be an abuse for his death. It will be a waste of death. It will be a waste of pain. If after all that Jesus did, you still do not walk in the reality of what he died for, then why did he die? Why did he die? Why did he go through the pain? Why was it beating when you're going to live your life in sickness? But I said, by his stripes, that was why he got the stripes, that was why his skin was torn, that was why his blood gushed out from his veins. He did all that so that you will live healthy. So why are you sick today? Why? You make his, his, his pain, his death, his, his, his bleeding a waste. That's why you must be violent against sickness in your body. And say, sickness, take your filthy hands of God's property. He died for this. Somebody has paid this price. I say I'm bought with the price. I'm bought. I'm bought. I'm bought. I'm paid for. I'm not my own. Somebody paid for my health, paid for my well-being, paid for my salvation. Somebody went through pain. This thing is paid for. I can't. I can't suffer what was already paid for. I can't. I can't suffer what Jesus went to the cross and died and he bled and went through pain and suffered. Okay. I must stand on the reality of this. As on your feet. Father, we thank you. We give you all the praise. Thank you. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the cross. 
Thank you for all that you went through. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Mamba bo shatalaba. Lift your voice and just worship him. Tell him, Lord, I thank you. Herado shina baba bande brosum bratele bata baba bandele bada badaya bahaya. I worship you. Jesus. I stand before your throne today and I worship. I bow my hearts before you and I worship. Thank you for the price you paid. Thank you for the pain you had to go through. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. Thank him. Thank him. Thank him. Hallelujah. You are Jesus, that strain in your left hand, that strain in your left hand, 
Yes, that pain in your left hand, strain, unexplainable pain in your left hand, check it out. You are healed of that pain in the name of Jesus. You are healed of that pain in the name of Jesus. You are healed of that pain in the name of Jesus. I come against you if you are there watching and you're already showing symptoms of it, whatever kind of disease. I declare that you are free from those symptoms in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, your breathing is normal. In the name of Jesus, I speak to your bones. Your bones receive strength. In the name of Jesus, I come against rheumatism. I come against arthritis. I come against every case that has to do with bone conditions. I come against gullet. I come against swallowing problems. I come against every ailment in your throat, every ailment in your tongue, side, your mouth, to your tongue. I come against it in the name of Jesus from your chest down to your abdomen. I come against gastric conditions, ulcer. I come against conditions of your body. Pain, back, lower waist pain, both spinal conditions. I come against lung conditions, heart conditions. I come against stomach, intestinal conditions. I come again. I declare you are healed in the name of Jesus. From your waist down to your knees, I come against thigh conditions, bone muscle conditions, constraints, muscle constraints, restraint, inability to move. I come against lameness of the legs. I come again. I declare that you are healed in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you because of your word. We give you all the praise. The death couldn't hold you back. Grave couldn't hold you down. And we rejoice today because of what you've done for us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Because we said a big, big amen. amen. Now would you jam the senses together for Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. Amen. So if you have your testimony already, you can please send your testimony to our inbox. When I was praying, I believe God touched you. You're sick in any part of your body you're going through. Some of you are under the burden of fear. You were under the burden of fear and bondage of fear. But you are, you are set free this morning. So send in your testimonies to the inbox. Let's have them so that I can celebrate with you. Amen. It's time for us to give our offerings. We have your offering in the house. Um, and I come to be sent for you to give an offering. So I'll just bless the offering. You can do that after now. Father, Lord, we thank you for the offerings. We thank you because of it's out of the blessing that you have given to us that we're giving back to you. Thank you for giving to us. Thank you because we're going to give back to you. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. And if you have a need, if you have a need and you're watching, you have a need for food, you have a need for money, and you are desperately in danger that you cannot afford food because of the lockdown, please send a message to the inbox from whatever platform you're watching from. Send a message to the inbox and then we will be able to reach out to you and then be of a help to you in whatever way we can. Please do so immediately and the Lord will bless you in Jesus' name. Bless you this morning. Bless my Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the sweetness of the Holy Spirit. Rest in the Bible with us now and forevermore. Amen. If I say goodbye, please let me celebrate my friends. Biola, Doi, Kingsley, and Pastor Fumi for joining me this morning. So I'm honored to have you guys. And I'm going to teach you. Amen. And please celebrate yourselves. Thank you very much for joining. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so sure that you're blessed today. Thank you very much. And do have a wonderful, wonderful Easter Sunday. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this message. Meditate on these words and watch how it will transform your life. For inquiries, please call 0909-672-9827 or 0807-548-5997. You can reach us on Instagram and Facebook. Instagram at SLChurchNG. You can reach us on our Facebook. That's Supernatural Life Church.